Welcome to the Health Daily Show, your go-to where leaders, founders, and investors share insights on growth, innovation, and business building. I'm Chitra your host. Joining us today is Mark Frank, Sondermind co-founder and CEO. Mark, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Chitra. It's great to talk with you. What is Sondermind? How does it work? So Sondermind is a comprehensive mental health platform. But you can think of us as delivering everything from meditation to medication. Really everything from digital tools that can enable you to, from a self-care standpoint, enable better mental well-being to talk therapy, both in-person as well as virtual, and really utilizing measurement-based care techniques and data provision, both to our providers and to our partners, such as health systems and payers. The behavioral health market, what you just described there, many dimensions, complicated, fragmented. Yeah. The market is roughly 80 billion, projected to grow 4% each year for the next six years. Traditional ways to get mental health, as you talked about, counselors, psychologists, psychiatrists, meditation, mm-hmm. creative visualization, small to large telehealth providers, such as Teladoc, even remote patient monitoring, alleging to look after yeah. behavior health. Where do you come in? What's your sweet spot? So we really want to take an integrative approach. The challenge and one of the things I have a a real aversion to are these point solutions. You see them all over healthcare and in mental health especially. I'm going to tell you something you don't hear much. You know that the industry has been completely overfunded, right? And there's just been a lot of investment. Rightly so, because it's a massive, massive problem. But typically people look at that overfunding and say, that's a bad thing. I welcome it. I welcome the competition. Why? Because we have to solve this. There's a mental health crisis in this country, actually in the world, and we want as many companies out there competing and looking at ways to improve that. From our perspective, the way we really want to differentiate is, again, being that comprehensive solution. So saying, how can we integrate all those pieces that you just mentioned? Right? How can we say, at the end of the day, it's about getting people better. It's about focusing on outcomes. And the way to do that isn't to say, it must be therapy, or it must be digital CBT, or you know what, meditation is going to solve all your problems. But how the heck we pull those things together and enable an individual to actually achieve a higher level of mental wellness and maintain that for a long period of time. You use the word outcomes. Give us an example, quantify the impact outcomes you're driving. We are a outcomes-focused organization. So at a core level, just looking at our therapy, we get people from generally high clinical, severe levels of depression and anxiety into subclinical without any medication on average in six to seven sessions. And those are in randomly controlled trials that we've run That compares to the industry average of typically 10 to 12 sessions. So just getting people better more quickly is in and of itself a great outcome. Additionally, we have a number of digital tools that have been proven through both the trials that we've done as well as past trials to improve people's things like memory and cognition at a scale that can be deployed without the high cost of face-to-face therapy. So we wanna engage both. You talk about digital tools, artificial intelligence. What are the types of artificial intelligence you're using in your business? What's the impact it's driving, whether it's accelerating revenue, helping on efficiency or cost in targeting and reaching that patient? It's a really exciting time right now for AI, right? We were fortunate to partner, be one of the founding partners with Hippocratic AI. So shout out to Mujal and the team there. We look at it through three lenses. How can we help patients? How can we help providers? And then how can we actually become a better operating business? So on the patient side, We've actually historically been able to use AI with all the data we have to make informed, personalized recommendations to the care pathway that works for you. So now we could supercharge that because there's even more data we can pull and we can use more powerful models 
both large language models as well as our internal models. On the provider side, which is our biggest focus area, we're a provider organization. And at the end of the day, we're here to ensure that providers can deliver the highest quality care to the patients that we treat together. So how can we make them more efficient? Those are things like AI-assisted coaches. Those are things like enabling them to look through, for example, their clinical notes over a period of time, more mental health, you know, a set of sessions, and actually say, well, what are the key components that I've been talking about with my patient, or my patient's been talking about with me, that I can use to drive to better outcomes? And then finally, internal processes. There's a lot of manual tasks that are done in healthcare organizations, be it from billing, customer support, things like that. So we're using AI to start to automate those things. Now you've got your multi-channel company, direct-to-consumer and B2B, whether it's employers, health systems, payers, government. Talk about the differentiated value proposition to each channel and how you're accelerating traction in each channel. One is they're all quite integrated. When you think about each of those channels, let's take employer, health system, payer, and consumer. And then let's take me. So I am a consumer. I buy things. I'm out there. I use Google like most people do. I am also an employee of Sondermind. I have a health plan of which I'm a member. and have a primary care provider that I see and that's part of a health system. So we said, let's actually go to where the individual is through the channel that makes the most sense and enable each of those channels to say, we're gonna deliver value to that individual patient. At the end of the day, it's all the same person who's trying to improve their mental well-being. How do you think about patient, consumer, acquisition, engagement, retention? Because when it comes to mental health, behavior health, a couple of things, it's gonna be transactional. People might try a treatment method for a period of weeks and then stop. At the same time, we're also in a recessionary environment, right? Inflation, job cuts, Mental health, behavioral health is viewed as discretionary for many patients slash consumers. So with those dynamics, how do you think about patient consumer acquisition, yep. engagement, retention, getting to the sticky and minimizing the churn? So let me hit one thing first, which is I agree. People often view mental health care as discretionary. And we have to continue to push as an industry, both in the mental health space as well as as a healthcare industry, to really start to say, look, this has such immense impact on your physical health, on the rest of your life, on the people you engage with, it's not discretionary, right? It actually really has to be deployed in order to improve your overall well-being. So now to how do we engage with those patients? Again, we're going to where the individual is. So through our employer channels that we're just starting to launch up, through our partnering with primary care providers and ACOs and health systems to say, hey, your patient population is engaging with your doctors saying they need mental health support. We're here. We can get them into care in less than five days. We can ensure that they're matched to the right provider. And then from a consumer point of view, you can get matched to the right provider for you quickly. See that therapist typically in less than five days. It's covered by your insurance, fully covered. And then you can engage with that provider on your own terms and not be beholden to, here's what has been set as you know, the certain number of sessions that I can see. And the final question was really around the retention component, right? And how do you say that like, there can be this transactional engagement between the therapist or the provider and the patient, that's where we come into play is this mental health home. So again, a comprehensive offering that says, here are digital tools for you that can be used to engage before you even need to go into therapy. When you're in therapy, you might have a session and then two weeks later have another session. So what about all that time in between those two hours? It's a lot of life that happens. So how can we engage with you to give you tools that can you know, be used for journaling or for cognitive behavioral therapy and actually collect data and then turn that around, give that to the provider so that the provider has a good understanding to make their care 
more efficient. That one hour can be meaningfully more efficient if they have an understanding of what your life was like, what you were struggling with the last two weeks. And then as you wind down, right, as you get to a level of mental wellness with that therapeutic interaction, you may or may not want to maintain that relationship with the therapist. But if something pops up, let's say six, nine months later, if you've stopped going to regular therapy every two or three weeks, something happens, right? There might be a death in the family. There could be some other anxiety-producing event. And you want to engage either with that same therapist or the new one. Well, we're there the whole time. We're there with you providing all those digital tools that you continue to use outside of that transactional engagement between the therapist and you, but that you started to deploy and then you continued on through your life. So now it's become a real sticky habit and it creates a level of understanding for that next provider or for the same one with what's going, going on in your life and how they can help you get to that level of well-being that you were at before. Leadership. In career, business life, there are rules, codes, norms to how things are done. Where have you been a code breaker and how did you do it? So my background is somewhat unique. I was a veteran. We were talking a little bit. I did, I did finance for a while. I've been operating in healthcare for a long time in oncology and mental health. At the end of the day, my personal why for why I start companies, why I love this job, being a CEO is a, it's a really amazing job. And the reason is because you get to work with so many people in the company, especially. I focus a lot on how can we achieve a real place for people to grow? We have a goal that's a never-ending goal for Sondermine, which is creating a career-defining place to work. That means that, hey, it may not be the easiest place you've ever worked, but you're going to create the closest connections professionally and personally, and you're going to learn the most so that when you're looking back on your career, when you're in your 60s, when you're in your 70s, you go, wow, that was the place where there was this inflection point. So doing things that can really enable our employees and our team members to work together and to create that environment where it is a career-defining place to work for them. Mark. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Chitra.